0: The Texans
1: Unfiltered.
2: Here we go, here we go!
1: A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans.
0: And welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast. I am your host, Young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as usual, by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And I am... Joined by like my bestest friend, my bestest virtual friend, my my Canadian friend Jordan. Uh, obviously Texans underscore thoughts. Uh, Jordan, welcome to the show once again. Great to be back. Love it. Yeah, John, how are you?
2: I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm surviving. Um, I guess that's the only way to put it right now. Working a lot, which is a good thing. Um, but I'm doing good.
0: Awesome. Great. Fantastic. All right, uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at I am young e. Gold. Uh Don't forget to follow Jordan at Texans underscore Thoughts and Dylan at Texans underscore Draft on Twitter as well. Uh, just take a second out of your day. Go, um, go follow all of us. Um, also, if you guys are not aware, we have revamped the Patreon. Uh, Thank you to all our Patreon supporters that are now on the ticker here. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Make sure you guys go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered to show some support and love towards your favorite Texans podcast. It is much appreciated. Uh, And COVID-19 update. Are we still going to do that? Are we still going to do that? Do we need to do that?
2: I mean, there's more cases now than there ever has been. Well,
0: that was expected though, right? Yeah. Corey, what's going on? Thank you for joining the stream, my PFN brother. Uh, Giovanni, Ryan. Uh, yes, Ryan, I need you to switch from Anchor to Patreon, please, sir. I'm trying to get on the PFN network, and you're slowing me down. Uh, all right. Um, that, that goes for Swan, too. Swan needs to do the same thing. Uh, all right. Merchandise update. We uh, have hats, bang, bang, uh, starting tomorrow, So and they are super live, so that's that's awesome. Um And we have shirts being made. Cody will have the uh, logo done for uh, one of our shirts tonight, he told me. Uh, So that'll be awesome. And then, John, you have, have three, four other ones being worked on by the art guy. Those will be done within the end of the week, hopefully. So... That's great. Uh like Preston says, buy the COVID stock. It's going up, up, up. It is, it is, but all for a good reason, unfortunately. All right. Uh what else do we have here? All right, uh big announcement. Let's bring in our boy. Let's bring him in. Little little Patty Storm here. Oh hi. Hey. Hey. Hey guy. Um All right, Pat. We brought you on. It seems like uh, this three weeks in a row, some <clears throat> big news every week. It's kind of uh, kind of
1: intense. Can't keep it rolling.
0: You better uh, you got big shoes to fill every week now. So uh, the pressure's right, on. Yeah. Uh, but this one's a good one. So I'm excited about this one. Yeah. I'll, I'll mute myself so and give you the floor.
1: Boom. All right. Been working on this one for oh god two years. I've been trying to get him, and unfortunately he's no longer on the team. But I still think. It's going to be a great interview. Um, I'm really excited about it. I know a lot of fans are going to miss this guy. But uh, tomorrow, James and I will be interviewing DJ Reader. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about things going on right now in the world. Um, we're going to talk about his uh, expectations for things that are going to happen in Cincinnati. And... Um, and some of the stuff that happened here in Houston, so um, not going to get too in depth about some things, but you know, it'll we be a good well. interview. We're pretty happy to. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. We'll. We'll see uh,
0: what we'll the conversation is. We'll we'll barbecue,
1: lots and lots yeah. of barbecue. Yeah, we're going to talk barbecue. Um, we're going to uh, for Cody. I will ask about the VR room because I know he wants to know about the VR room. It blows me up about it once a week at least. So, uh, Giovanni, I'm going to repost the raffle on the gloves soon because when I originally did it, I got almost no traction. Um, and I think it was just kind of a bad timing. So, uh, we'll get those back up. Don't worry, Giovanni. I'll get those, uh, raffled off and we'll get some more stuff. Dropped off the last batch of, uh, hand sanitizer earlier this week at fire Station 76. Yeah. It's over off of cook's road. Um, so those guys are really happy to get it. We got them four cases. So they're, uh, they're still in need of more. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And thank you, Giovanni for donating those to Pat. Um, so yeah, Pat, I mean, big thing, DJ reader, obviously it's been in the works for a while. I know you and I've talked about it for quite some time. Uh, it is unfortunate the timing. Um, but at the same time, uh, I am such a diehard fan of DJ Reader and have been for so long. I think he's pretty much been, a, like, our like number one guy on this podcast for the last three years. Um, it's going to be really fun to talk to him and just hear just his thoughts, you know, just about some of the things that we have planned to ask him and just have a genuine conversation with the dude. Obviously, if you guys know, we don't, you know, Pat and I, we don't, we're not trying to get clickbait. We're not trying to go viral. Um, we want to have relationships with these guys, and we want them to be able to come on when we want them to come on again. And uh, so we're going to be having just a normal conversation. If you guys do have questions, suggestions, put them in here. We can't promise them. But, you know, if they're good questions, we'll definitely get to it. Uh, so that's awesome, Pat. Good work. That's, that's amazing. Um, so that's going to be so much fun. Uh, all right. Last thing, any other – oh, Pat Storm on JJ and Clowney rumors. Uh, I don't want to get to that. Yeah, I don't want to to bring
1: that up. We're not bringing that up. We're not going to. That's not. We're not TMZ. But the that's going to unfold out. Yeah, where it's going to unfold. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, That's all you have to say about that. Uh, Any rumor, anything around free agents at all right now? Have you heard anything about Griffin or JD?
1: Um, So the last I heard, the clowny stuff is very unlikely um, to date. Um, They explored the idea, but when I guess. Reality sunk in that there's just really not a spot for him, unless they're gonna they're gonna let somebody go. Um, you have got Grenard, you got um, Jacob Martin, you've got Merciless, and you've got Grenard, Edgeafor, Edgeafor, Davin Bellamy, and uh, you know there's just too much depth at the position right now for them to bring in Clowney and commit that much money to him. Um, when you've got two or three guys, they're going to be way cheaper and possibly get you the same amount of production. So, Yeah. And then veterans, they're still looking at a bunch. Um, they're going to end the off-season program this week.
0: Thursday. Later on in
1: the week. Thursday. And then I think there'll be a little bit more focus on signing some veterans. And, um you know some of these guys are still waiting to see what's going to happen with the season too they don't want to be committing to a team um buying houses or renting property or anything like that and then you know the season may not even happen so i mean it's going to happen but there's still just too many unknowns right now for these guys to make commitments so a lot of them are just kind of holding in a holding pattern
0: makes sense makes sense well Pat, thank you for bringing this amazing news uh, to Texans Unfiltered, as you being a part of Texans Unfiltered. It's awesome for you to be able to do that, so thank you. Um, I'm excited for tomorrow, man. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to, to just kind of be your your ro- the Robin to your Batman and see how things go. It's going to be fun. It will be. All right, dude. Pat, we will catch you guys. We will catch you later. Everybody, make sure you guys cool. go follow Pat. Pat, tell him where to follow you.
1: Uh, on Twitter, the Patrick Storm. On Instagram, it's uh, the Te- or Texan Storm Report, and um, Facebook is the same thing. So yeah, check you. it out. A lot of awesome stuff happening there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Pat's been managing our social media and helping us grow as well. So uh, thank you, Pat, for that as well. All right, dude. We will catch you tomorrow. Cool. See you. All right. Uh, pretty cool stuff. That's that's awesome. I really do wish the DJ Reader stuff was. Um, I wish it was a little bit sooner but we'll take what we can get. Take what yeah, we can it is. Get. What it is. Yeah. We
2: I mean that's he was our original tout. <clears throat> I think he was our original uh late round draft pick that we were like, "Hey, y'all watch this guy." So he'll always have a special place in our hearts and uh Texans' unfiltered history. Um but you know he got his paycheck. Good for him. I mean, he's got to live in Cincinnati, so I hope they gave him. I mean, I You've got to have a whole lot of money to live there, so good for him. But have a great, great time interviewing him tomorrow. A little bit jealous about that, but I think he'll be a fun interview. And he's one of those guys that really doesn't get enough media attention anyways. So anybody that's interviewing him is going to be a plus for him.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all right, John, why don't you take us through our newest game of the week?
2: All right, this year, or this week, uh, <laughs> we're just going to do something a little bit simple. We're going to start with the offense. And we're going to talk about guys that we think will have a better year this year than they did last year and guys we think will have a worse year. Uh, we're just going to go down the, uh, the roster, pretty much just the starters, uh, not really the depth guys, and just kind of are good out. Um, if We think, for example, uh, we'll start off with Brandon Cooks. Do you think he'll do better this year than he did last year? Um, Jordan, I shared a spreadsheet with you. The spreadsheet will have last year's stats on it, and it'll also have links to their career. So you can always go check those out if you need it. To kind of think and help your argument. Awesome. All right. Um, I guess I'm driving. So, of course, we'll start off with Brandon Cooks. So James, do you think he'll have a better year this year than last year? Let's keep in mind, last year he had 42 receptions for 583 yards.
0: Yeah, it's almost guaranteed that he has a much better year this year. Uh, he'll be in the thousands in yards. Uh, he'll, he'll probably double his receptions. Much better quarterback play. Um, and basically – I mean, he should be the number one or number two weapon. So, um, I mean, I would expect that Brandon Cooks goes off this year and he should be way better than the last year.
2: What do you think, Jordan?
3: Yeah, so it's funny that uh, we talk about this. I didn't know we were going to do this, but um, I just got in, I don't know, I guess a little discussion with a Rams fan talking about Cooks, talking about Goff, and, and he's just saying that Goff is better than Watson. And I don't know how you could ever believe that, to be honest. And so that's the number one reason for me. Watson is just a clear upgrade at quarterback um, going from the Rams to the Texans. So I don't, I don't know how he can't have a better year. As long as he stays healthy, as long as the concussions aren't too big of a bad thing, he's going to put up numbers in this offense for sure.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, last year was his lowest yards uh, per, for his career other than his rookie season. Uh, he had 583 yards. The His rookie season, he had 550. Um, every other year than that, he – over 1,000 yards, even with golf as his quarterback. I mean, again, for him, it's just as long as concussions are not that bad, there should be absolutely no reason that this year is not a plus. And then you, on top of that, you have a quarterback that's better suited to his skill set. Um, so I think we are all in agreement. We all expect Brandon Cooks to have a better year than last year. Next one up is Kenny Stills. Last year, Kenny Stills for the Texans, even though he had no preseason with us, came in, played 13 games. Um, he was targeted 55 for 40 receptions and 561 yards.
0: Jordan, you want to take
2: it? Jordan, you want to go first? Okay, sure. I'll take it. Um,
3: Sorry. I'm gonna go lower, but that's simply because of how I how I think his role is gonna be for this team. It has nothing to do with the talent, because talent wise, if he was on some any other team, if he wasn't the wide receiver four, he would put up better numbers. But because of how the team is is constructed with Cooks and Fuller as wide receiver one and two, Cobb as the number three, he's going to be the guy that gets the start in the slot. And if both Cooks and Fuller play a full season and still doesn't get that much time, he's just not going to be able to put up that much numbers better than he did last year. So unfortunately, if they do stay healthy, I don't think he'll go over. I think he'll go under. Yeah,
0: I Thanks. agree. I think with uh, with Fuller and Cooks being the number one number two, uh, and then Cobb in the slot. I mean, I think that they'll find a way to get him in in, in on the offense. I just don't know how he's going to be able to at least replicate what he did last year. Um, it's going to be very difficult, um, considering that you also have David Johnson that you're adding and taking targets away. Um, there's Duke, there's Akins, there's Fells. Um, you know, it's just it, it's going to be really tough for Kenny to be able to do it. I would I would look at Kenny if Fuller and Cook stay healthy all year or. By the midpoint of the season, during the trade, um, God, why can I think of the word? The tr- whenever they end the trade, what is it called? Trade deadline? Yeah, trade deadline. Trade yeah. deadline. That's it. Um, I think at the trade deadline we might see Kenny still shipped off for another pick because I think that they're going to feel really good about their offense. It might come back to bite them, but uh, I don't think we're going to start the season off that way. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I, I'd love for him to. I, if there's a way for Four wide receivers to – I mean, if they go four wide, then it's going to be an extremely fun offense to watch because all four of those guys are extremely good. And then when you just add the fact that, like, there's really no defense you're going to be able to play against those three with Fuller, Stills, and Cooks. And then David out. It's just – it's nuts. So maybe maybe that's the plan. Maybe they just go air raid. And uh, if that's the case, maybe he does. I don't know.
2: I disagree with both of you. all <laughs> um, I'm a big, big Kenny Stills fan. Um, I'm there with uh, Dylan Bujak. Uh, Bujak. Um, Kenny Stills is one of the most efficient le- uh, wide receivers in the league when he is targeted. Last year was his least amount of targets in his career. Um, I can only see that a season and an offseason with Deshaun Watson that improving. Um, I mean, by his standards, last year he didn't have, he did not have a good year. It was his second worst um, season in terms of. In terms of total yardage, and it was his lowest in yards per target. This is a guy that very, very talented. Um,
0: that's not really him. There's no way. That's not really him. <laughs> it, I've seen him. I've seen him do this that's before. A, that's
2: a kind of a random. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: pretty cool though. I, um, I, I always <laughs> give this guy props every time I see him. I'm like, dude, this dude's this. This is great, and he keeps it up. He sticks to character no matter what. Uh, I, I wish I mean, it really that. was Brian Body Calhoun, but.
2: It's yeah, bring on Buddy Calhoun and uh, Madden. Still, fan- he's a fantastic player. Yeah. Um, however, last year was also his highest catch percentage, so I think that. Are <laughs> 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 <Thanks, man>. uh, <laughs> being trolled? Who knows? Um, but I just cannot see any way that Kenny Stills has a worse season after having another season with Deshaun Watson, another and actually having an off season to build chemistry chemistry with him. Uh, next up, um, James, we'll get you to start off on Randall Cobb.
0: Um, I think he had 800 and something yards, 828. Uh, he had 828 yards, 55 receptions, and three TDs. I think he'll have more touchdowns, uh, but I don't think he'll have more yards. I think the yards will drop off just a little bit, and it's only because there's going to be so many chunk plays with Cooks and Fuller that I just don't know if there's going to be the short yardage situations to be able to get that many. I like Cobb. I think he's an outstanding slot wide receiver. I'm glad that we invested in a, um, in a slot receiver, a true slot receiver. Um, but I just I can't see it. I mean, I, I don't know. There's just only a certain amount of yards and targets that can go around, and I just don't see that. I don't see Cobb outperforming what he did last year.
3: Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. He had a career year with Dallas. It was a great fit with how they used them in their scheme, and and like you said, like I just think it's more of Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller balling out and them getting so much of the target share, than um than it has anything to do with like a indictment on Cobb's game. Deshaun will find him. He'll love him over the middle of the field. Um, but like you said, some of his stats are going to go down. I think his yards per catch in particular is going to go down. He had 15.1 last year, which was ridiculous. And would have led all the wide receivers on our team right now, um, so that's definitely going to go down a little bit just because Dallas they like to use their slot a lot more in like vertical options, and I think we'll keep him more just shorter intermediate area of the field for Deshaun. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see Cobb in the offense for sure. It'll be fun.
2: Yeah, Cobb is going to be he's going to be a veteran veteran leadership. Um, I think I talked about it with um, with Ruben the other day where I was saying that a big part of the reason that I'm sure he's coming in is to kind of take what he experienced with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and bring that over to Deshaun just letting him know habits, how he would break um, during busted plays and you know, things along those lines last year, I mean you really didn't have a lot of competition for those slot receptions this year with Akins and of course both the running backs Cobbs', Cobbs targets just won't be there we um, fully expect Deshaun to come out here and throw the ball more than he ever has. Um, he just has to if you look at the way this offense is constructed. But there still won't be enough targets for him to match what he did last year. Yep. Uh, next player up, uh, Will Fuller.
0: So, while uh, Jordan's over here getting his social media on. uh right, trying um, to respond to
3: <laughs> people in the chat.
0: Um, or no, I think uh, – I think that uh, Will Fuller has like I've said it before. I think he has an incredible year. I think he has wide receiver one year. I think he has 14, 1,500 yards. I think I think this is going to be the Will Fuller that we've all been waiting to see, and I think that he's going to light the league on fire. I really do. You can't you can't um, you can't say enough about his connection with Watson. It's there. It's been there since Watson got here, and it's only gotten stronger every year. Um, and Will Fuller just isn't a deep threat. I mean, there's just so many other things that he's, he does. Uh, he's a willing blocker. Um, he's His all, his route tree is just phenomenal. Uh, last year he started to make contested catches, which is something that we haven't seen from him in years prior. Uh, so I, I just think Will Fuller is going to explode this year. I, th- I I think he's going to be a stud.
3: Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I just have a good feeling about this year. I think this is finally his year to stay healthy. I know we haven't seen it. But he's commented on it, he knows he needs to work on it, and we've seen people have been posting Instagram workouts, whatever. He looks a bit bigger, in my opinion. And I think he's really prioritizing his health, and that's going to show up on the field. And like James said, every time he's been on the field, he's balled out. Like, ridiculous video game-like numbers. The chemistry between him and Watson are clearly there. Another season of building on that, it's going to be ridiculous. He's going to put up wide receiver one numbers, and he's going to make us all forget about Nuke, if we're honest.
2: Oh, strong words. Well, strong words. I like it. If you had to, I mean, y'all have the stats in front of you, I'm sure. But if you had to guess what season was Will Fuller's best. 2017.
3: 18. Mm, I don't know. I guess let's go with the fancy
2: it was last year. Yeah. Wait, uh, as in know, like 19? Uh, 2019, uh, oh, 670 total yards.
3: Played uh, he played 11 he played, games. That's probably his most, right? 11
2: games, which was his second highest amount since his um uh, his rookie season where he had 13. And that right there is the problem. We all know it. When Wolf Fuller is on the field, if you have him in fantasy, you start him. However, I don't think that it's magically going to get better. That he's going to go from 13, 11, um. Ten and seven games to 16. I would almost rather they you know keep him on the bench until week eight, until week eight, week nine, and then say, "Now you can go play so we have him for the playoffs, or even week 10 or 12, because again, he's a fantastic talent when he's out there, but part of the reason the wide receiver room has been built the way that it has is no joke because Fuller's going to get hurt. It's the only reason he hasn't been signed to an extension because he's a phenomenal player. He's going to get hurt. Sorry, I, somebody has to be the bearer of bad news on this one, and unfortunately, I think that that's a fairly safe bet, and I hate it because I I love Fuller. I mean, I've defended Fuller um, from James before, <laughs> um, and then we both came around because Deshaun plus Fuller is magic. It absolutely is, and I just want to get Fuller a big um, a big bubble, put him in that bubble, and say we need you for the playoffs. Don't leave your bubble, but. We'll see. Fingers crossed that I'm wrong. Um, He's working out and he looks like a completely different person. He has no dreads and he's put on a bunch of muscle apparently. So fingers crossed that that leads to um, more Fuller because we will all be happier with more Fuller. But you know we'll see. Um, Next one up. Give everybody a little bit of a break. We'll talk about the offensive line. Um, Laramie Tunsil. What do y'all think? Do you think he'll have a (laughs) up, <laughs> down, stay the same. Super Jordan,
0: up, super up. Uh, yeah, the false starts are gone. Uh, the communication and the continuity on the line is just going to just play such a bigger part. Uh, he's going to be comfortable with his guys. He's going to have an off season. He's going to have a good understanding of the terminology and the communication. Um, the, the skills. There's just no, no conversation to be had about who he is as a left tackle. Um, he's a top five left tackle in this league, no matter what PFF says, um, and. Yeah, I mean, it can only go up from last season, and uh, you know he got paid. Uh, he he seems like a humble guy, and I expect him to really put. I, I expect him to just be the best. Uh, this is my expectation: top two, maybe top three, left tackle in the league after this year. And I don't think it'll be. I don't think you can debate it.
3: Yeah, I'm completely with James on that one. I think people forget how young he is, though, and he's still an ascending player and right now my little project is watching the O-line from last year, so I'm going through watching all five of them and seeing who played well, who didn't, what the strengths and weaknesses of all the game was. And, and Pencil is locked down, man. Like, there isn't a pass rusher that he struggled with. There isn't a hole in his game. And along with him getting more comfortable in the offense, like James said, with the false starts, I think they're going to open up the playbook for him in terms of more of blocking and different things that he can do because they kind of simplified his role last year, just having him do simple tasks. But um, if they can ask him to do more things like pulling, getting out in space, on screen, stuff like that, show off his athleticism, which he's a freak athlete, um, that can even take his, his talent level to the next, to the next level. Because it's hard to quantify um, an offensive line apart from, like, sacks, sack numbers allowed or pressures or whatever. But little things like that where they can add dimensions to the offense, to the run game, to the screen game, that's going to take it to the next level and really show his value.
2: Yeah, I mean... It's really hard to kind of grade offensive, offensive linemen uh, based on stats. Yep. And Laramie Tunsil, on top of everything, put into a horrible situation. They play better when they have timing. Uh, they have to know where the person next to them is going to be. They have to know where the quarterback is going to be. So they need to know each other. There needs to be chemistry there. There needs to be continuity there. There was no continuity on that offensive line last year. You had two rookies, Tunsil, who didn't get a single preseason game. Uh, Fulton and Nick Martin, they knew each other, but other th- the other three of them, all brand new. And then you throw in Roderick Johnson, who was a practice squatter, and Chris Clark, who, I mean, let's be honest there. Um, <laughs> so Tunsil was in an absolute no-win situation. And a he- little fun fact, if you look at Pro Football Reference, they have this something that's called approximate value. And last year was his best season by far, according to them. And Pro pro Football Reference is the most cut-and-dry stats website out there. There's no no bells and whistles there. It's just pure numbers. So for them to say that he had his best season by far last year with an offensive line with no continuity, no chemistry, with a quarterback who who is a magician but is never where you expect him to be, that's amazing. And now he gets to sit here and spend the entire – Preseason, getting to know him, getting to know Deshaun, getting to know his, the guy to the right of him. Um, yeah, Tunsil, Tunsil's going to eat next year. He is going to be the best offensive line. And all these people whining and crying about his contract, they're going to go quiet because we're going to have the best tackle in football by far. Yep. Um, next one up, Max Sharping.
3: All right, I'll take this one for now. Um, I actually just recorded a Max Sharping video. I've seen all of his games now from last season, and I was really, really happy with what I saw. He did not have many bad snaps whatsoever. And I'm like making my little list of like strengths and weaknesses, and it's right now it's six to one. Six strengths and only one real weakness that I could find. And I'll, I'll get to that later in the video whenever that comes out, but he's such a great all-around offensive lineman where he's scheme diverse. He can run power and, and zone schemes, which is what we like to do. He pulls for us, like in that Chiefs game where they just kept on running that same power play over and over again to the same side of the field and he was killing on it. He's great at that. He's great in the run game. He's great in pass protection. He's really good at dealing with bull rushes. He does great to anchor down and and stop that. Um, And the fact that he moved from right tackle in college, and that's where they were thinking about playing him, to left guard, a completely different position on the opposite side of the offensive line, that's a big jump for a developmental prospect out of was it Northern Ireland, Illinois? Is it Illinois, is it? Yeah. Um, so the growth that he had was ridiculous, and it's only going to be better. Going from your first to your second year, that's obviously that's a lot of where you have your biggest jump, and I think Sharping's going to have a huge jump. I think he's one of the guys who's going to have the biggest breakout season for the Texans, to be honest. So I'm really excited to see about him, and that kind of ties into the tonsil part because the more that he grows, the more that they get comfortable together, it's going to be really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, there's not much more I can really say on that. Uh, Jordan pretty much hit it on, on every aspect that you can. Uh, I put out a thread, I think, like three months ago about Max Sharping. He is an extremely good guard that I don't think a lot of people know about yet, and I think at the end of this season there will be a conversation about the Quentin Nelson will forever probably be the best left guard in the league and forever will likely be the best left guard in the AFC South. But Max Sharping will not be too far behind. I mean, the dude is a freaking monster. He's a monster, dude. He's so nasty, too, especially when we're running those power schemes. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I agree. I think he's only going to get better. And like Jordan said, the communication between him and Tunsil, first year playing together, Tunsil only had like five days of practice. Um, he's only going to be better. And th- it's funny because we're all going to look back and be like, geez, it's like in one year, in one year, one season, we completely rebuilt the entire offensive line, entirely, uh, with Sharping, Howard, and Tunsil. And it's, it's incredible when you think about it. Because I remember last season, I was talking on the pod, there's no way you can rebuild the offensive line in one season. But they did.
2: Yeah, uh, total agreement. Uh, we're going to get back to uh, – we're going to get – into the season this year and the whole narrative about the Texans having a crappy offensive line probably actually won't disappear, let's be honest. Because uh, Deshaun's not going to stop playing the way he does. But when you get down towards the end of the season, we're going to look back and actually look in depth at the offensive line and we're going to think, oh my god, we had one of the best offensive lines in football. And Sharping, speaking specifically about him, he's a rookie. He played every game last year and not only that, he went from the right side to the left side. So I can't imagine that he, he regresses at all. Because, I mean, he's a rookie. There's nowhere – it's only up as long as he's healthy. And, yeah, pretty easy one. There's a reason why I didn't click links or anything for rookies because if rookies don't get better, then we got, we got a lot of trouble. Uh, next one up, uh, James, I'll let you start with him, Mr. Nick Martin.
0: So coming into the season last year, my biggest question mark, and and this should really be very telling, the biggest question mark I had about the offensive line was Nick Martin. It wasn't who would be tackle, who would be, you know, the guards, because what we've seen from – yes, Pat, it is. Um, What we've seen from Nick Martin up until last season was just pure disappointment, lack of effort, looked like he was just missing completely at times, didn't look fully engaged and the center position is extremely important for the offensive line. It's the communication it, 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 there's just so many different things that happen with the center that you really have to keep be you have to be good at you have to be good at communicating you have to be good at understanding what the play call is, what the shifts will be. Um, there's just so much responsibility and um, Nick Martin just up until last season was not that guy. Then last season, he got paid, and <laughs> this dude just turned into a completely different player. I mean, like literally a, 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 like a switch flipped, and he became a different player altogether. And uh, he was a hell of a he, – I, I honestly think he was, pr- play-wise, probably a top ten center in the league. And uh, I think – I really hate because this sounds like a homer, homer picks as we're talking about the offensive line. But the reason why I think that all these guys are going to be better is because of the continuity and them all playing together again. I mean, it's the first time in the Bill O'Brien era that we're going to have all five starting offensive linemen back to back seasons. You really can't put as much stock. You can't put enough stock into those five guys coming back. And, uh, I think Nick Martin's going to have a phenomenal year as well. And I, I just think the entire line going to be so much better than what people expect. And, uh, you know, it all comes down to Titus, I guess, but we'll get to him. But I expect Nick Martin to have an even better season than he had last year. Yeah,
2: yeah I do too. Um, pretty much sorry. in agreement with uh, – oh, Jordan, did you talk about him? <laughs> sorry. I haven't talked
0: about
3: him yet, but uh, yeah. I'll just go really quickly. Um, watching Nick Martin, watching the entire offensive line last year, the one player that surprised me the most was honestly Nick Martin. I saw it a little bit on game day, but you can't really get a full appreciation of it until you see the All-22 later and look back on it. And Nick Martin, like James said, was a completely different player. Completely. He was making blocks he wasn't making before. He's picking up blitzes, helping out his other guards beside him. The one thing that really stood out to me was his ability to work double teams. Whether it was Sharping or Fulton, the chemistry that he had with those three guards was really damn good. Really damn good. And he was making blocks at the second level that he wasn't before. It was just great to watch. And so yeah i'm gonna have two articles out next week about the offensive line about the chemistry working together and the importance of returning all five guys so it'll be it'll be fun to read for sure
2: yeah definitely uh Nick Martin was a couple of years ago when we talked about him, we said he just needed to stay healthy to put it all together because he constantly showed improvement then he would get hurt and he'd fall off a cliff last year he played every game uh last year. It looked like he'd made that leap that offensive linemen typically make around three or four where just the mental aspect clips. For him, the physical aspect was staying healthy. It wasn't that he was outmatched in the league. He just couldn't stay healthy. And if he stayed healthy, he would get worn down towards the end of the season and just run out of gas. Last year, really didn't see that. Last showed a lot of improvement. I'm honestly going to take kind of like the middle road on this, though, and say that he's probably going to stay about the same. And if he stays about the same, I'll, I'll be happy. Um, he's taken that leap. Um, he should really – this should be about his level of play. And if he is that level of play for the next couple of years, we'll be more than happy. All right, next one up would be everybody's favorite. Everybody wants to get rid of this man, Zach Fulton.
0: Jordan, I'll let you go, but I want to. I'm hoping that you saw what I saw, but I'm going to let you take this and go ahead.
3: I, I, he was the one guy I didn't focus on as much when I was watching the O line. I, I wanted to focus on the four other guys just because I do believe a lot in them. Um, what I saw from Fulton, he was basically a different player depending on who was beside him. That's how. It, that's what it came down to. When it was Titus Howard for those eight games that he played, he looked really good. They were, started to build a. The chemistry and the continuity throughout later throughout the season and they started working double teams, picking up stunts, stuff like that. But whenever Chris Clark or Rod Johnson had to come into the game and they rotated in and it was just it was ugly. It got real ugly. It was whether it was Chris Clark missing blocks or Fulton missing blocks, it like it they literally worked as a tandem. When when they didn't have when Titus was out, Fulton would be he'd missing blitz pickups, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, if we do have a healthy Howard and he plays most of the season, Fulton will be better for it. Um, how much better will his like actual game be? I'd probably say it's about the same just because he's a veteran, he's an older guy, he's not really getting that much better. But in terms of being able to play with somebody for an entire season, that sort of chemistry aspect and teamwork aspect of it, that'll improve the the entire unit as a whole for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, not much I can add to it. Um, without really repeating anything else I've said in the past. Um, when he played next to Titus Howard, he was a above average guard. When he lined up next to Roderick Johnson and Chris Clark, he was just an average to sometimes below average guard. Um, but a lot of that has to do with, I mean, one, the consistency of at, who's at right tackle. Um, when you're changing guys, different series and things like that, it's just it's hard to get used to. Um, so I expect Zach Fulton to have an upseason.
2: And yeah, To me, it's just kind of funny how quickly um, the tables have kind of turned on Zach Fulton. Two years ago, he was our rock. He was our, he was our solid offensive lineman. He was the only one that was above average. Now, all of a sudden, you put some talented players around him, and <laughs> he's no longer the prettiest girl at the ball. However, what he is is fine, um, and that's pretty much he's shown what he is. He's a slightly above average right guard. Who's not going to he's not gonna blow anybody away. He's not gonna really disappoint us. But he had great chemistry with Howard, horrible chemistry with Roderick Johnson and Chris Clark. Granted, I don't know if that's Roderick Johnson and Chris Clark or timing or you know, there's a lot more that goes into offensive line play than a lot of people talk about. And it is a little bit of a dance. Maybe they just all had left feet and they you know, just stepping all over each other. However, up or down, I would actually say I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little down, but that's not necessarily a negative. It's just he's getting a little bit older. I do think that his best it's like position 26, is, isn't he? Uh, 20. He's 20 like 28 or 27. 28, yeah. He is 28. He just turned 28, so he'll yeah. be 29 for this season. Um. So the same or regress or he regresses just a little bit, which again isn't bad. Especially because he'll look better because Howard will be out there with him, which would bring up next player is Titus Howard. Uh, James, you want to start off with him?
0: Uh, yeah, I think my son just like decided to mess with my smart lights and just turn them off. But um, <laughs> yeah, Titus Howard, I think um, I think Titus Howard will be will be the same player that he was last year. Fighting, and, and the only reason I say that is, is because he's coming back from a pretty significant injury. Um, and I, I just, I think that, that Titus Howard, the play of him for those first eight games is really enough for us to feel comfortable with this offensive line. I just don't know if I could see him, um, really outdoing that. Um, so yeah, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, my son is a jerk. Um, uh. So, yeah, I mean, I expect Titus to play. Maybe he'll play a little bit better than last year, but I don't expect it to be too much better. Uh, I think this will be kind of his rookie year. Um, we'll see some some rookie mistakes, but I also think that we'll see uh, the potential and why he was drafted in the first round.
3: Yeah, I think we need to remember that he was a pretty much like a pretty raw prospect out of Alabama State. He had some flaws that he needed to work on, and, and he cleaned some of that up. But from what I've seen from the tape, he has this one flaw, and it has to do with his hands and exposing his chest. So sometimes when he'd get out of his kick step, his hands would be low, and he wouldn't be able to raise them quick enough to get off a good punch, and he'd consistently get punched first by the defensive lineman. And whenever that happened, he'd expose the chest, he'd get pushed back into the pocket, whatever, he'd give up pressure. And that happened a decent amount, But what he, but I also saw a lot of times where he did have his hands up quick, and he was able to strike and punch the defensive lineman first. And whenever he did that, whenever he got hands on them, it was over. He has really strong, violent hands, so he's just got to get hands on them and control them, and that's something that it can be a pretty easy fix over a year. Um, like James said, I think in the beginning, at least in the first half of the season, he'll be roughly the same player that he was last season, just kind of getting acclimated, getting back from the injury. But in the second half, I think you'll we'll see a big, a decently big jump from him and, and a good improvement. So I think I'll say he has an up season.
2: I'm gonna say he improves. I mean, most of his flaws are are technique. He just needs to get out there and play. Um, And this is with – his injury still pretty severe. He is still rehabbing. He's not better yet. And this is over six months since it last happened. Um, But, I mean, it's no joke. So he does have that going against him. But he was so – he was so physically gifted for the position of right tackle that – for him, it always has been just getting him a little bit more coached up, a little bit more practice. And here's the one thing about not being able to rely on your athleticism, um, being able to being able to go out there and not push yourself 100% on your knees is you have to focus on your technique. And that's what Titus needed to do. So I'm going to say that he definitely gets better this year from last year. And you know, last year he was a rookie. He was lost. He was not really playing a different position because he had a left-handed quarterback. Um, in college, um, so he did play right tackle, but it was a it was a little bit different playing it in the NFL, and of course, better better competition in the NFL versus um, Division two. But for what was it? Uh, football? What do they What do they call it? It's not Division two. It's uh, the Football Championship Division FCS. Uh, it?
3: I forget FCS. Yeah, I don't know
2: FCS. Yeah, FBS is the big one. FCS is the, the step yeah, there Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, you know, solid player and very, very physically talented. Couldn't use the physicality, so he's gonna have to rely on technique to get better. So I think, of course, he's gonna get better. And then Jordan, because you know, we're gonna we're gonna go to tight ends now. Let's start off with uh, Darren Fells.
0: You go first on Darren oh. Jordan. I, w- I want the other one. Yeah.
3: So with Darren, he had a hell of a year with us. Statistically wise, he he led the league in touchdowns. I'm pretty sure with from tight ends, it was ridiculous. Um, Whereas that he had seven. How much was it? Seven. I can't find the other thing. Okay, seven touchdowns, which is ridiculous from a tight end. He was a great red zone option for Deshaun in the short areas um, where he can just toss it up. And he's such a big body, he has such a big frame that he's gonna catch it over any safety. And he's too quick for a linebacker. Um, even though you don't really think of Fells as being that quick, but he is. And then a big value of him also came in the RPO game. Um, but I don't know. For me, I don't think he's. I think he's gonna have a down year statistically. I think number one, Aikens, which we'll get into, he's gonna have a bigger role. Number two, we saw the RPO game. They ran that same play over and over and over again. And by the Baltimore game, they had it completely fict- figured out. It was completely locked up. So unless they could add another dimension to that, but if they don't, that's, don't expect that to be a big. Um, successor, and then just the touchdowns. I, I I don't think I don't see him reaching that high of a number again. He'll still have a good amount, probably four or five, but I think it's mainly going to be the Aiken show, which we get into.
0: Yeah, I agree 100. percent I think Darren was so good last year. I think it's going to be very hard for him to replicate it, um, just because of also the additional weapons on the team. Um, I think that we'll still see him a little bit in the red zone, just because of his big body and his ability to box out and really just go up and grab the ball. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm sure the touchdowns will drop a little bit. You know, maybe he'll have five or six. Um, but I think the yardage and his usage and his snaps will, will drop pretty dramatically. Um, and it just has to do with the guy who is technically behind him by most accounts as far as what people think. Um, but I would disagree. I, I think uh, I think he's the number two tight end come the start of the season.
2: Yeah, you can't – I mean, Darren Fels has been known to just score touchdowns.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: However, he went from three to seven. There's going to be regression there. You, I mean, there has to be. You can't go from three to seven. Um, and then it's not going to be – the touchdowns scored, so it's, if you were a fantasy football player, it's a bigger deal. I think he'll actually be more important to the offense next year, but I don't think his numbers are going to reflect it. Um, Again, he was a... um, You hear it every single time with any of these former basketball players. He played basketball. But the reason that you always hear it is the best athletes on earth play basketball. And then when you take the best athletes on earth and you put them on a football field, his ability to be that size, to run and to jump, and it translates. So Darren is, of course, he's one of the most underrated players, I believe, on the team. I just... He's not going to be able to produce what he did last year. He is definitely going to be somebody that's going to regress. Um, however, he's still going to be a key part of the offense. All right, James, it's time for your boy. Yes,
0: <laughs> let's go. So Jordan Akins, last year, not the not the most productive tight end. Uh, I think he had 400 and something yards, 418, 36 receptions. Uh, he had two tight end or two tight ends. He had two uh, TDs. I think uh, Mike, what kind of eggs are you making, by the way? Um, I think Jordan Akins. I think Jordan Akins is a huge piece of this year. You know, it's funny you were talking about how like the RPOs and things like that with Darren Fells. Imagine those RPOs with Jordan Akins. I mean, he's so much faster. He's a better route runner, um, and his his ability after the catch is just incredible. And so now I think that wrinkle is just going to be Jordan Akins, and it's going to be because he's able to get the space, open space faster compared to Darren Phils, to where it'll still work. It's not going to be used as often because I think he'll be catching balls uh, in other places, but I, I just – when I think of that RPO specifically, uh, there was one oh, – I can't remember the play. I mean, obviously we've watched them all, but um, he's just not – Darren Fells. just isn't fast enough. On those RPOs, like, he can – Aikens has the ability, and there's not a lot of tight ends that can do this. He has the ability to be able to take it to the yard, and he's fast. I mean, he he ran like a four. I think he was like a four four in college, uh, like a four four four, um, like the Jay Z album. And um, I do a punt think. Punt
2: returner in college. What's that? He was a punt returner in college. Yes. So what the hell?
0: Yeah, yeah. The dude is amazing. Um, I, I, this is my expectation for Jordan Aikens. Call me a homer, whatever you want. Uh, I think he puts up Travis Kelsey numbers this year.
3: Ooh, so That's a big up. Yep. Goddamn.
4: Yep.
3: All right. Well, I do Kinda think. Collie ain't gonna be on the team. Well, he might, but not for long. Um, so my opinion on Akins completely with James. Maybe not to that extent, but I do think he's gonna have an up year. I do hope he gets more of the of the snaps this year. They're gonna go away from the two tight end sets. I think a lot. So we'll see who snaps that cuts into. Hopefully it's Fells and not Akins. Um, and if they if they are gonna be running this deep passing schemes, vertical offense, having Akins attacking the seams, which they rarely ever do with their tight ends, that's gonna be a money maker. It, once he can he can get past those linebackers and settle in that area right befo- before the safeties, and that's an easy money. Deshaun can throw that ball so he's I've seen him throwing it. It's so nice and and yeah. So watching Akins from last year. Like James said, he's a complete yak monster. You just want to get the ball into his hands. You just want to scheme him open like that, and he's going to eat. I think he's probably a top three yak threat on our team. I think it goes um, Brandon Cooks, Duke Johnson, and then Jordan Aikens. That's roughly my top three, give or take. Um, yeah, but yeah. Throw
2: him in a bottle and shake him up, and any of be the top one at the end of the season, and we wouldn't be surprised.
3: Yeah, for sure. So I'm excited to see what he's got in store for us.
2: So everybody un- kind of underestimates Jordan Akins. Um, he played baseball um, professionally, came back to football, played for that University of Central Florida team that went 13-0, and the one that beat everybody up and down the field, and he was a punt returner on that team. <laughs> this wasn't a horrible team. This was a great Central Florida team. This is the one that got Scott Frost the job up in Nebraska. This was the team that beat Auburn. This was the um, – This is the Central Florida team that I believe has hung hung a banner declaring themselves national champions for that year because they did get screwed over. Correct. This was a legitimate college football team. This team could beat just about any of the blue chip schools that you put out there. And so it's not, oh, yeah, he played punt returner when he was in college, blah, blah, blah. He went to some little bitty school. No, no, no. He played punt returner on a legitimate team. And he's a tight end now for us. So that kind of shows you his athleticism. Um, I'm completely with James. Like, Jordan, I'm not going to go up there and say that he's going to do Travis Kelsey numbers. I just, I want to. I really, really, really want to. But Kelsey's ingrained himself into that offense, whereas Akins isn't quite there. And his biggest downfall is Deshaun just not looking his way? If you look at the tape last year and you just really look at all the just all the times that Aikens was wide open, I mean he led the league in separation, like he was wide open, and Deshaun never looked his way. Deshaun has a habit of reading the field high to low, so by the time he gets to his read with the tight end, it's too late. Where I, again, that's what makes Deshaun great. It's the same thing that Brett Favre did. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that have been great doing that, that hyper-aggressive, you know, that, that deep route that's supposed to be a decoy that opens up underneath. Deshaun wants that route, and he throws a beautiful deep ball. So you can't, you can't fault him for reading the field that way, but that's the reason that Akins didn't put up great numbers last year. And this is year three for a tight end. This is the year that it clicks. So, yeah, he's going to have a monster year. He's going to be a surprise. And when he's lighting everybody up, winning your fantasy leagues for you, just let your people know the Texans unfiltered told you about him first. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. All right, cool. That was fun. Can't wait to do the defense next week. I don't think we have time to do our court case.
3: Are we not going yeah, to no. do the running backs? Let's do the running backs if we have time. Oh, yeah, yeah
0: let's do the running backs. We time. We'll, 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 well, we got Dylan we'll here too. Well, let's, let's bring Dylan yeah. into this game. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Dylan. Hello. Hello. How
4: is everyone? Look at that
0: fresh cut. Wow! Fresh wow. Yeah. Fresh off the protest, I'm so proud of you.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of you, bro. Effort.
0: Thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah. It uh, was yeah. crazy. We'll get into it a little bit. I wanted you to be here to talk a little bit about the Bill O'Brien uh, press conference as well, so uh, I thought it was uh, perfect to have you on during that time. So uh, we're finishing up up and down right now. Have you been paying attention?
4: Yes. Yeah, so you're basically just like going – like – Who's who's gonna have an up season? Who's gonna have a down season? Type thing.
0: Yeah, previous to the, yeah. compared to the season prior. All right, we're on running backs right. now. Uh, go ahead, John. All, right.
2: All right, so I'm actually gonna. I know the list says David Johnson, but I'm gonna save him for last. Let's start with uh, James. Let's start with Cullen Gillespie. You see him having more to do next year.
0: Um, I think he'll be on the field more. Um, I don't know if we'll see a ton of production out of him. Um, I think we'll we'll line him up in I formation. Uh, when David Johnson on the power scheme uh, You know he, he's a very good blocker um, Especially out in space On the outside in the flats When uh, Deshaun um, evades the pocket um, But I think that's really about it I mean I just don't I, I think he'll be a contributor on special teams And you know He'll play his role as a fullback on this team
3: Jordan? Yeah I think we could see a lot more Of the the full house pistol formation good. Where you've got three guys in the backfield You can have Duke, David Johnson, and then Colin Gillaspie could be the third guy. And so if you have two of those running backs out blocking and hand it off to the third one, or all three of those guys out blocking and Deshaun just keeps it himself, that would be really fun to watch. Um, Like James said, I don't think he's going to – you're not going to see it in the box score. He's not going to be a guy who's going to be out here catching passes like he's Patrick DeMarco or whatever his name is. That's not his game, but he is a great blocker. We saw it on that touchdown run against the Bills. He can block the hell out of the – I don't know, out of a defender. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he'll be fun to watch. Sure. I'm, I don't know how much more snaps he'll get. If we do move to this kind of vertical scheme, they don't really have a lot of fullbacks involved. But if we do see the pistol a lot, then he could get some snaps, and it'll be fun.
0: Jordan, let me ask you this before we get to Dylan. Um, the way I look at that formation, based on some of the things I've seen in the film, I think that Cullen might actually get cut and that Akins might take that role on the pistol. What are your thoughts
3: I can see that, too, because of how they used it last year. They need someone to be a receiving threat. They had they usually have two guys go out on wheel routes, and it forces the defense into a really tough predicament. And if you have a fullback running that route, they're obviously a lot easier to guard than Aikens. So if that's the way that we do go, I I see what you're saying. He could get cut. Um, I just thought it'd be fun from a blocking aspect, but receiving aspect, for sure, it'd be Aikens.
4: Dylan? Yeah, just adding on to that, um, Real quick, I think if they want to keep all four tight ends, like, like a lot of people think they might want to, like cutting Gillespie could be an option, just like adding on to that. And then another thing, I think if they end up keeping Gillespie, um, uh, I kind of agree with what both of you said. I think he's he's not going to see any ac- much action like touching the ball at all. But I think with Dave, if they want David Johnson to, be, to come in and be their first down, first down running back, the guy who runs between the tackles, David Johnson is a really good guy at following blockers, and Colin Gillespie is a really good guy to be following. So I think he does provide value there that he could, um, in the zone blocking scheme, he could open up a lot of holes for David Johnson. But, yeah, just like you guys said, um, he doesn't offer anything else other than special teams value and blocking on the field. Can I cut him real quick, John? <laughs> Sorry, just one point, <laughs> one point
3: to make. Is that I wanted the Texans to sign kind of like a goal line back, a short yardage back. Doesn't look like they're going to do that, so that could be Gillespie's role, maybe just on goal line stuff like that, giving it to him fourth and one, whatever, maybe that that could be how he gets carried. You go now,
2: John. Because that was one of the things that I was going to mention. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, of course, Gilly is our biggest running back right now. Um, And then I hope that. I hope that Bill O'Brien watched the Super Bowl because of how the 49ers kind of use the um, Cal use check. Um Colin Gillespie has actually built very similar to Juszczyk, uh, very similar skills. If Gillespie shows that ability to be a receiving fullback, I guess, it's almost kind of like an H-back, uh, closer to an H-back than a traditional fullback. And what he brings on special teams, um, he also has the ability to play linebacker. He's, I can't see him getting cut. I really can't. Um, However, you know, fullbacks and the modern NFL with a team that looks like that we could really legitimately run four verts every single play (laughs) and would probably actually be pretty productive doing that too, which is crazy. Four four verts, um, all verts, with a mobile quarterback, like that can absolutely wreak havoc. And, I mean, do you keep somebody around for essentially special teams when we have a lot of special teams? players that are assigned for just special teams I think at this point the Texans probably have more ace special teamers than any other team as they just continue to bring these guys in that only do special teams so I get you point but I still think he's going to have an up year I think that the blocking that he showed and just the difference that he made in the Buffalo, Buffalo game you put Aikens out there he's just not the same sort of blocker that Gillespie is um and Grant Gillespie has a head start on it. He has a little bit more practice than Akins ever has because Akins is such a gifted athlete that he's always been a, a receiver in some form or fashion, whether or not he's playing wide receiver or tight end. But at this point in their careers, it's just Gilly's better at blocking, and it does make a huge difference. He has shown enough as the ability to re- be a receiver, and he's our biggest running back. He's going to have enough here. He's going to be on the team. All right. Um. Now we get to our running backs. You all want to go Duke or David first? Uh, okay. Uh. We'll start off with Duke because he's the incumbent. James, let's start him off.
0: Duke Johnson will have a down year rushing the ball, but we'll have a up year receiving. Um. Actually, you know what? No, I think he's just gonna have the same season. Um. I just can't see. The targets being there for him, like some there's targets are going to drop off by ten to fifteen per per player. It's just the way it is. There's so many weapons now. The ball is going to be spread around. I just can't see Duke replicating what he did last year. And he didn't do as much as I would have liked to. Like his his role in the offense, I would have liked to have seen more from him. Um, but I just can't. I just can't see how it's feasible for him to replicate that. And to be honest, I also, um, Preston was blocked for five minutes. That's
2: hilarious.
0: <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, um, anyways, that's so funny. Um. Did you block him? Yeah. That's so great. That's so funny. Um, anyways, uh, and I, I just think that uh, – I do think that this will be the resurrection year for David Johnson, and I think Bill O'Brien believes that, and I think he's going to put whatever he can as far as, like, putting David first in the offense and giving him an opportunity to shine. I think I think David's going to take so many of the snaps away from Duke. Um, I know we all have this dream of Duke and David lined up in the backfield together. I just, I just can't see it happening as often as, as we would like. So I think Duke has either the same, maybe a little bit down. Jordan?
1: Um,
3: so I'm really high on Duke Johnson. I've been on the high on him for a while, since his Cleveland days. And I honestly think that he's running back one material. I know right now it's not positioned for him to get that, that share of, of the snaps. Um, but I, I do think he has that talent. Um, Statistically-wise, if if David Johnson does play majority of the season and is RB one, he's going to put up numbers. And Duke isn't. Simple as that. Um, they didn't utilize him enough last year. Hopefully they can figure out more ways this year. Um, I just think his talent, talent-wise, he's, he's ridiculous. He's so good. He's yeah, a better he runner than have, people give him yeah, credit for. He's, he's really good at following his blocks and me, patience and, and all the that. that,
4: that I'm <laughs> 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 um, um
3: What happened? So, yeah, if, if he is in the same what role he did him? last
4: year. Oh,
2: he muted himself. What happened?
4: Jordan was being unprofessional. Nothing to see here. What
2: would you mm-hmm. do, Jordan?
0: Uh-huh.
4: Okay. <laughs> I'm the new guy.
0: Okay. Did, did um, you flash people? <laughs> I'll let me know.
3: Patreon only.
0: Oh!
3: <laughs> only fans. fans! Let's go! <laughs> Let's get back to Duke Johnson. This is Duke Johnson. Um, I'll say he has a down year, which is really unfortunate because I do believe in him a lot, and we did pay a, a third-round pick to get him, but It has nothing to do with his talent, just simply because of Roland and David Johnson hopefully playing the the full season. All right, Dylan?
4: Yeah, I pretty much agree with both of you, considering last season Duke Johnson got on the field largely because of his pass-catching ability, and David Johnson might even be a better pass-catcher than him out of the backfield route-running-wise. So I think... I think the snaps are gonna be super limited for him, maybe just when David Johnson needs a breather, but considering David Johnson has better ability to run it between the tackles than Duke and just more three down back potential, I think the snaps are gonna be super limited for him. Um not as limited as I'm making him sound, but like it's I think he's gonna take a different snaps and a different production like pretty much everywhere. Just because David Johnson is as well rounded as Duke Johnson and he's just better when he's on the top of his game, so
2: come on y'all really only good things happen when Duke Johnson touches the ball and here's the other point we keep talking about there's more targets however the target hog is now gone DeAndre Hopkins took up 30% of all targets last year that's a lot of targets still to spread out so Duke I think he's going to have a better year receiving the ball he's going to get Again, it comes back to timing and getting used to playing with Deshaun. Duke was open quite, almost as much as Akins was. But, again, you know, same problem. High to low reads. He's not going to see him. Part of me kind of almost wonders if they realize that Deshaun looks high and then he looks low. Maybe he would look for that quick little dump off. That's why Carlos Hyde had – Carlos Hyde every game had a couple of those, just the dump offs. He catches it and he runs off. If they build a little bit more of those in for Duke, um, because Duke was always running routes, whereas Carlos was just hanging out around the offensive line. So maybe you let Duke do that a little bit, because when Duke gets the ball, good things happen. Um, He makes other players miss. He just needs to touch the ball more. And then legitimately having a true one-two punch with him and David Johnson, it is interchangeable. Like They never have to change a thing that they're doing. They just flip them out every other play, continue to run the same offense. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think with that, they would also get Duke to catch the ball more as a rusher and not just as a pass catcher. I'll go out on a limb, and I will say next year will be a career year for Duke Johnson. This is my guy that I'm going to stand on the table for. Even with David Johnson, I still think David Johnson has a solid season. With Duke Johnson having his best season. All right, so that brings us to Mr. David Johnson.
0: All right, um, I think David Johnson has an incredible year, Um, I think for a couple of reasons. One, I do think he's a talented back. Um, I know a lot of people just look at 2016 and just assume that that's gone, but that really was only three, four years ago. Um, He wasn't used a lot last year. There's not a lot of wear and tear on his body.
4: And I just check the David Johnson article on TexansOnFilter dot com. Go ahead, James.
0: Yes, and then also check the David Johnson interview on TexansOnFilter dot com and, and TexansOnFilter oh, yeah, right, to YouTube. But
4: the um, article will tell you his best years are not behind him.
0: Thank you, and that is correct. And he's right. Um, I think that uh, I just uh, there, uh, there's a lot of reasons. One, I think he's healthy, and I think he's I think he's motivated to show. I think he understands what was given up for him, and I think it's extra motivation for him uh, to really show people that he's able to play at a high level still. And then I think the biggest factor is the fact that Bill O'Brien is not going to lose that trade in his mind. So he's going to give every option possible to David Johnson to be able to go out there and show that he won the trade. And I think he's going to be put in a position to succeed. Uh, I really expect David Johnson to have over, over 1,400 yards, um, and I think he's going to be a very dynamic back for this this offense, and I, I expect a lot from him. And he'll have a better year than last year because it's impossible for him not to, unless he tears his ACL in the first game.
3: Yeah, that's where I'm going with this too. He can't, he really can't have that much worse of a season last year, so it's going to be an up season this year. Um, I don't know if he's going to replicate his 2016 season just because that was absolutely ridiculous. He had like 2,000 plus yards from scrimmage, um, but the biggest thing for me is the upgrade in the offensive line. The Cardinals have never had an offensive, a good offensive line in their entire time of David Johnson's career, and our offensive line now is it's promising. It's on the way up. It's talented, and it's only going to get better with the continuity that we have. And so the more that they, more time that they have to mesh throughout the season, they're only going to get better because O line has to mesh together as well. But they have to mesh with the running back too. They have to be able to see the same thing and open up the, the lanes that. That David Johnson wants. So I, I would expect his rushing numbers to be pretty solid. I think in the passing game, I think they'll go to him a little bit, but I think Duke Johnson's honestly going to take more of that role just because they want to have to rest him um, after he does do a lot of the running. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, I'm very high on David Johnson and what he can do with offense. A lot of the under-talked-about point of David Johnson not being able to replicate his 2016 season, obviously 2017 was cut short by injury. And wasn't a great season for him at all. Then you go into 2018, he had a different coach, a coach that did not call plays to his strength. And then you go into 2019, he had another different coach, and a, just a coach that wasn't, that didn't want a back that that was like David Johnson. He wanted a more college-style back. I, no one's been talking about that. Everyone's been assuming that it was because of his injury that he was uh, not having a not having great years. Now with the coach Bill O'Brien, obviously wanted him bad. To give up DeAndre Hopkins for him, Bill O'Brien going to be able to game plan for him. He's the he's the type of back Bill O'Brien wants, and we're going to see an uptick in production for sure in 2018 from his 2018 and 2019 seasons, simply because he's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to be the main guy in Houston, and he's going and, he, and these carries are going to be designed for him. So I I believe David Johnson is going to have a great great year. And he likes a little Uzi. Thousand thousand but,
0: and he likes a little Uzi bird.
4: And does he? Yeah. Oh, I gotta get gotta get a David Johnson jersey now.
2: So you gotta pay attention to the enemies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you know this is gonna come as a surprise because I just said that I think Duke Johnson's gonna have a career year. I think David Johnson's gonna have an amazing season. On top of that, um, I think that it's pretty much because they're gonna the way they're gonna use them. They're gonna keep both of them fresher and not run either one to the ground. I think that it'll be more balanced. Um, again, David Johnson, the ceiling with him is Marshall Falk. However, he has <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling with him is Marshall Falk. <sighs> like, think like that. Um, just that Chris, Chris is right. We are homers. Yes, we are homers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, am I saying that's realistic? He's had one season where he's hit that or he's hit that level, but he can hit that level. He has done it once. He did. So when I'm saying it's the ceiling, that's absolute best-case scenario. Will it happen? Maybe not. Most likely not. However, that's what he's capable of doing. He is still young, but do we necessarily want that? Do we want him to touch the ball 160 times?
0: I do. if, If it's there, absolutely. I'm totally fine with it. If he's, if he's producing, there's no reason for him not to carry the ball. It's just the way it is. Yeah,
4: that's, that's, and, and he's a rhythm runner. That's not, even not 100. Crazy.
2: What,
0: uh, yeah, I was going to say 160 sorry. is like half of what he should 160 be getting.
2: Is not that that's not too much. Yeah,
0: um, 350. What
2: is it? 350 is the threshold. I'm thinking 160 receptions. Um, however, if he's ending up with 25 to 30 touches a game between receptions and carries, towards the end of the year he's going to wear out. And kind of my point with him and I think that with Duke Johnson is they're going to try and keep that from happening, Um, that they're not going to just grind him into dust. And that's going to end up, I think that this team is built more for the playoffs than Mm -hmm. previous years. And last year, Carlos Hyde got 1,000 yards behind this this offensive line. Carlos Hyde, his 2018 season was worse than David Johnson's 2019 season. So if they're able to elevate Carlos Hyde, and this is no disrespect to Carlos Hyde, he was a talented player. There's a reason why he was drafted where he was by the Niners. But he's not on the same level as David Johnson. So a healthy David Johnson will probably not touch that 1,600 yards that he did in Arizona. However, yeah, without – and he even said he didn't know the the playbook. He just went out there and and just went at Carlos Hyde. So I'm not saying that David Johnson even hits the 1,600 yards that he did in Arizona or the 1,800 yards that he did in Arizona. I'm saying though that we get a player closer to that level and we get him for the playoffs as well.
0: Sweet. That and game was a lot longer than I expected it to be.
2: Are we not going to do Deshaun?
0: Oh. Oh, I forgot about the quarterback. Who's we Deshaun got to say the best
2: for last right? What's the quarterback?
1: I'm uh, going
4: for Pigden.
2: I'm going <laughs> I like We'll save that for questions and answers. How um, special teams? Oh, better How's going
4: to make the team? But I think Higdon's going to be the third running back.
2: Okay, mute you. We're going to save that for questions.
4: Um, but yeah, you goal. put
0: it up there for us to read.
2: <laughs> I didn't put hey, it up there. I didn't put it up, put there. up there. My oh, bad.
0: okay. <laughs> I was like, dang. Here, everybody, read this. Okay, now don't answer it. Save it for later. <laughs>
2: All right, very last one. Um, Dylan, tell us, is Deshaun going to get better or worse? He's going to get.
4: Highly better. I mean, if you look around, the whole off season was about getting more weapons for Deshaun and getting weapons that suited Deshaun's strengths. He's gonna he's gonna have an MVP caliber year. He might not get MVP, but he's gonna be in top. The mm-hmm. t- I can guarantee you right now he's gonna be in the top three of MVP voting. And if he isn't, like something went drastically wrong. And it's just like he's the second. You can argue he was the first or the second best deep ball QB in the league last year. All the metrics support that statement, so don't even try to argue it, any of you. And um, and all they did was add um, add a deep threat in Brandon Cooks, add a, add a deep threat in – do we add any more deep threats? No, we didn't. <laughs> but, anyway. um, uh, but they still have Will Fuller, still Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, is finally, he finally has a reliable slot receiver that he's been wanting ever since he stepped on, foot in the league because all he does is he, he needs someone to dump it down to. I think Deshaun has a, an amazingly better season.
3: Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Um, he, his trajectory is always going to be up. Deshaun's a worker. We know that. Um, he came into the league. A lot of people were pointing out his flaws from Clemson, and he fixed a lot of them pretty quickly. He wasn't perfect at first, but he's done so much better every single year in the NFL, and that's not going to stop. He wants to win a ring. That's his end goal. He's going to keep working until he gets to that level. And he's going to be such a good quarterback that he's going to be able to carry our team there. I really believe in that. Um, People get really obsessed with Patrick Mahomes lighting the league on fire right away as a sophomore. And we kind of tend to forget that quarterbacks take time to develop. They take time to get to the peak of their game. They're not all just ready to to light, light the league on fire like that. Deshaun's getting there. He has room to grow, and we know that he will get there. So he's going to have an up year, and I can't wait for his MVP to see him holding the MVP trophy.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to kind of echo what Jordan and Dylan said, I think with Jordan specifically talking about how Patrick Mahomes lit the league on fire as soon as he came in, that offense was tailored for him to do so. It's not that he's developed as a better quarterback. It's just that the offensive weapons and the scheme that he had around him let him thrive in it. And Deshaun's kind of not been in the position to be able to do so. Now, I'm going to go against what both of you said. I actually think statistically he doesn't have a better year. I think he has an on-par year. And the only reason is because I think it's going to take two, three, maybe four weeks for the offense to really click. And so I think because of that we'll see very similar statistics in the regular season. But then I think when the playoffs come, we're going to be clicking at an all-time high that it's it's not going to matter. Nobody's going to look at the season and be like, Deshaun had a down year, or he had the same year. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time, given the crazy offseason that we've had, them not really being able to work and implement the offense, especially with Tim Kelly calling plays, the new additions. I just think it's going to take some time. But I think after that it's all downhill. So maybe he makes up for it statistically, but I do think he has a better year all around as a quarterback. I just think it's going to take some time for him to get going. Yeah,
2: um, i just have a, a theory, because we keep talking about this MVP. Bill O'Brien right now is coming off looking like the dumbest GM in football just to bolster Deshaun Watson's MVP case. Because right now, if you look at the national media, Bill O'Brien's the butt of all jokes. Uh, the ta- the uh, Texans are the at least the 20th ranked team in most power rankings, um, usually about anywhere from 18 to 22. So on average, about 20th. And so when we come out there, and if Deshaun even has what – james says is the same season that he's had for the past two years he's going to win the mvp and i would say the same season that he's had for the past two years which have been very very good seasons would be the absolute floor for him because this year we're going to throw the ball a whole bunch you just look at the way they've built this offense that he's going to throw the ball a whole lot more than he has in the past i think this is the year that bill o'brien and tim kelly are expecting Deshaun to take that leap to truly understanding the offense and making it go one of the things that we, we have talked about in the past, usually as a criticism of Bill O'Brien, is no rookie has come in and learned his system. Every quarterback that has ever had success in his system has been an experienced quarterback for years. Um, think about, like, Tom Brady. They, um, the wide, uh, Why can't I think of it? Charlie, not Charlie. Um, The guy that coached uh, Notre Dame, the original O.C. for the Patriots, White. Charlie Weiss. White, there we go. Um, Charlie Weiss, his offense was a lot more conservative, uh, lots of fullbacks, lots of short passes, and then when they changed it to this more of a spread-off, more of the spread attack that Bill O'Brien and McDaniels have implemented, uh, Tom Brady was a lot more experienced. Um, Castle, was experienced that on the bench. Every quarterback in Houston that did well was experienced. Um, Well, so to have a rookie come in and actually learn his system from from day one through year three and growing, developing it, at some point it's going to click. So, of course, Deshaun hasn't even really taken that next step yet, and I think he will, and Everybody already has such low expectations for the Texans. We come out, and if we go 9-7 and seven and win the division again, based on the way the media's been covering the team, that's a fantastic season. That's going to blow away everybody's expectations. So Deshaun should win the MVP. So here, I will say right now, if you... Now yeah, well, we probably still will lose in round one, depending on who we get in the yeah, playoff after all, because that's, you know, tech, uh, Houston sports. But... Go out to Vegas, put your money down. I would say that Deshaun Watson should be the safest bet to win MVP this year, even though you look at what Mahomes has done and Lamar Jackson, of course everybody's going to be all about him, as they should. Great great players. But Deshaun is the one that is set up. He has the story. He has the low expectations because of the so-called the talent around him. And the whole point of this kind of exercise is to point out, we are not as bad as the national media says. If you look at the vast majority of the players that we set on here, I think that as a total, we only said that we expect four to regress. Nobody's coming off career years. There's not a single player that we talked about except for Randall Cobb that's coming off a career year. So the Texans' offense is going to be better next year. It's going to be better through natural growth. Rookies getting better. It's going to be better just because players that underperformed last year are going to return to kind of like their their median. So Deshaun Watson is going to win the MVP. That's why he's going to. Close out this episode. Uh,
0: Jordan, why don't we get to get the questions and get out of here?
3: Sure. Yeah, we'll go through them really quickly. So, first question comes from at Fire Bill O'Brien. He asks,
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: It just encapula- encapsulates the whole Texas fan base in one Twitter username." You know, his other after, name. Um, after his comments
2: this past week, though, he's definitely got another year from me.
0: Oh, I, mean, as much as, I agree.
2: As much as Bill O'Brien... He already had another five years from me. Oh, I mean, okay. as much okay. as Bill O'Brien pisses How us all off, it? the thing is he is honest with his players. He's honest with his people. And you can kind of, seeing the way that he talked, you could tell that's why he hasn't lost the locker room, no matter what other craziness goes on. He hasn't lost it. If, anything, him,
0: if anything, you could say that that's the leader. Like, I, I read... Tons of leadership books. It's it's kind of my knack. That's That stuff goes further than anything anybody will ever realize. Taking a stand like that in a locker room full of black men. Like, Roger Goodell was right. Like, there's no NFL without black men. There's no NBA without black men. The only sport you have is the NHL. That's it. So, like, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, a lot of love
2: for baseball.
4: I'm officially a fanboy
0: of Bill O'Brien.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: He, I've always liked him for as as a person. I've always thought, just with the interview and just talking to him, I've always, I've just always had this inclination of who he was as a person. Just you know, with also with his son Jack and things like that, yeah. like that just that speaks to human nature, right? Um, but then this last one was just like, you just. There's no way to root against him as a person. You just can't.
4: And you can tell how genuine it was what he was saying. Like he was almost on the verge of tears. It almost felt like because he obviously like builds a bond with a lot of his players, and a lot of his players are black. And of course, he has to see them go through racism every day. And just to you could tell he was genuine and really hurt by what, by some of the events happening in our country.
0: Well, I think the biggest thing I took away, and I, I'm sorry that we're going down this path, Jordan. But, um, again. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, the biggest thing I took away from it was that he listens, and it's funny because we all say that he doesn't as a coach and now I find it extremely hard and difficult to believe that he doesn't listen as a coach because he listens as a person and usually that's a trait that people just have. It doesn't go away with certain parts of your life. You're either a listener and they're called active listeners. Active listeners are are people who are engaged in the conversation that is happening and are actively listening to what you're saying. And then there's listeners who just listen. They're just kind of there. And Bill O'Brien's an active listener. He listened to Kenny Stills. He listened to Michael Thomas. He's listened to Deshaun Watson. He went back and educated himself to have the conversations that he needed to have to be able to have that type of conference call. And he's been doing it prior to this. This wasn't just a one-off. This is something he's been doing. And he understands why Kenny Stills kneels and he you know, he pointed all that out. And to me that just spoke more to him as a player and as a coach that he does listen and I think good leaders have to listen to their people. It's just this part of leadership.
3: Yeah, going off of that, like what I really love is exactly what you said. Like he said this is why Kenny Stills kneels, this is why Michael Thomas kneels, Colin Kaepernick, whatever. He understands their point of view. He knows it's not about the flag. No one is trying to disrespect the flag. It's never been about that. It's not about the military. A military member is the person who came up with the idea to kneel.
2: Which I'm surprised is still news to people. Right? I saw that over Twitter this past week. Oh, I didn't know that a, that a uh, former Green Beret told Colin that the best way to do it was to kneel. Like, are you stupid? As if it matters, <laughs> yeah. so. As,
0: As if, if have... it matters anyways. Who cares if it was a Green Beret or if it was a homeless man in Seattle? It doesn't matter. Whoever, it It doesn't matter who it was, still peaceful.
2: I'm just telling you, the reason that I bring it up is it brings the blinders that that people have about it. For sure. That as soon as it began to be spoken of, there were certain people that just turned their minds completely off. Because the point that Boyer, or is it Boyer? Is that how you say his last name? I don't
0: know.
2: Uh, The Green Beret, uh, shoot, I'm blanking on his name a little bit. But Nate Boyer, I'm, I'm pretty sure is his name. The reason that I bring that up is it was brought up by the media about a thousand times and that's an understatement. Every time that Kaepernick was on TV and he took a knee it was brought up and people completely tuned it out based on Twitter Um, granted Twitter is the scum of the earth anyways most of the time so but it just comes to shows you that people were not really paying attention to what was being said. They bought into the narrative that was being peddled by by Fox News. Yeah.
0: All right, let's answer the
2: question. Yeah. Okay, so what was his username again?
3: Fire Bill O'Brien. Okay. Ah, okay. Um, he yeah. asks, I use weakness on the defense, and what moves would you personally make to improve that unit? It could be cutting someone, trading, or signing a free agent. Um, so for me, I think a lot of people will say the, the safety position across from Jay Reed, and I probably would have said that a couple weeks ago. Um, but I found a new confidence in Michael Thomas in particular. Um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to do a film breakdown of him soon, but so instead of the safety position, I'm gonna say a coverage linebacker. I think that is really going to make or break our defense. Watching Rex Ryan's scheme and how he can turn and how and what Anthony Beaver can take from that. The major thing is he loves to blitz DBs and drop linebackers in coverage, and so we need one guy, at least one guy, who can be a plus in that area. Dylan Cole, we've seen a lot of potential from him. Hopefully he can stay healthy. If he can, great. But it's hard to count on him. Jonathan Gennard, the Texans have said they like to, they wanted him to drop in coverage a little bit. I haven't seen the best t- tape from it in his time in Florida, but maybe they've seen more of it. Um, they probably have from practices and, and the combine and stuff like that. But getting a veteran guy who has been in the league for a while, who that's a specialty, would be perfect. And so in terms of what I would do, I would sign Nigel Bradham. He's still a free agent right now. He's played with the Eagles for a lot of his career, and he was always a great weak side coverage linebacker. Um I think I don't know why he's unsigned right now but that's the number one move I would make right now apart from D line help but yeah what about you guys?
0: Uh for me I think the the biggest change I would make um I actually wouldn't make one. I'm very confident in the players that we have. It's more scheme-related for me, understanding what Weaver will do. Will he pull from that Rex Ryan defense? Will it be a combination of Rack and Rex? I actually think if it is a combination of the two, we might actually be in a better position than what we think. Um, From a player – from a group, like a position group, I – I'd probably have to go defensive line and it's only because we really only have one guy who has stood out over the last 4 years on D line. I can't think there's not one guy that really outside of JJ that has truly been the guy, the man, somebody else that could take over when JJ is not on the field. We see the pass rush goes away completely when JJ is not on the field. I want to see somebody else step up. I believe Charles Amenhue can and I believe he will, but it's yet to be seen yet. Um, those long arms are going to come in handy. Uh, but I just – that would probably have to be the the area where I, I am most concerned. But I think that you can scheme a pass rush. And so, yeah, I guess that answers the question. Dylan.
4: Yeah, um, I don't see a major hole on this defense. Uh, obviously it would be nice to have a coverage linebacker, but I believe we can – I believe we can hide our linebackers in coverage well enough that that won't be a major major issue. It's it's still going to be a concern, but I wouldn't call that a major hole or anything. But like I said, like James said, I think you can never have too many pass rushers. And if we added like an Everson Griffin or a Jadavian Clowney, um, I think that would that would take our defense a lot of places, especially with all the news coming out about JJ. I don't know if it's true or not. Um we might be moving on from him soon. If you brought in Clowney and he and we can give him a big payday, what what we would end up giving JJ, I'd rather have Clowney going into the future than JJ. So I'd add Everson Griffin or Jadavian and Clowney and I would uh and I think our defense is pretty pretty much set if we if we can have one more pass rusher. If not, it'll still be alright, but it'd be really nice to have one more pass rusher.
2: Um I, I'm closer to Jordan on this. We we need a, another safety or a coverage linebacker. We don't have that. A lot of teams will have like a hybrid um, linebacker safety. Um, it's kind of there for coverage, especially the way that the NFL has changed uh, to take out running backs and take out tight ends. We just we don't have that type of player, and. That concerns me. Uh, if you were really to pick apart the Texans right now, if you're an offensive coordinator, what you're going to do is you're going to target McKinney and Cunningham. Cunningham can great sideline to sideline speed, but he does leave a little bit to desired in actual coverage skills. But once you catch the ball, he's going to tackle you. And McKinney is who you target. I mean, you just target him repeatedly. And same with our outside linebackers. If you see, if you saw what happened to Martin during the. Uh, during the playoffs, um, we all love Jacob Martin, but asking him to cover, it's not going to be pretty. Um, and Mark, that, you know, we've known that for years. It's not going to be pretty. So, yeah, you target the linebackers, and we've got to have somebody. We, don't, we had success playing with three safeties in the past, but we don't really have that sort of defense anymore. We don't have that type of personnel anymore. Yeah, Dylan Cole is a phenomenal coverage linebacker, but same thing with him every year so to then get hurt. So we just need that, another option. It's not a good feeling to go into the season where, if Dylan Cole is healthy, our defense is, he's almost like the key player on our defense. Like, that takes away the huge point of attack. But if Cole gets hurt, we're in a lot of trouble. And you don't want to rely on one player that much.
3: For sure. All right. So going to the next question. Uh, this one comes at Germ. He asks, passing situations, what's the ideal rush lineup? Watt and Ross Blacklock on the inside, Martin Whitney on the outside, or will Anthony Weaver throwing in Rex round type five-down defensive lineman? who will be the fifth guy, Charles O'Neill, Jonathan Garnard, or someone else? Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I guess starting with a four-down front, I would definitely go Watt, ideally Watt's going to play on the inside, but everyone knows that he's, he, he doesn't want to do that. So, in a perfect world, he does, but in a realistic world, him and either Martin or Grenard on the outside. Most people are going to want Merck, and obviously Merck is probably going to start on the outside, but how I would want it is Martin or Grenard. And then on the inside, Ross Blacklock and Charles O'Menu, who I think those guys will be really good at pushing and collapsing the bucket. Both great bull rushers, and so that will be really fun. In terms of a five-down line, then maybe you can play Watt as that 3-4 defensive end, and you can have Merciless and one of Martin Grenard on the edge. Then the other two interior guys would again be Ross Blacklock as the nose and Omen who has the other 3-4 defensive end. Um, yeah, that's what I would run with. I think the main thing to look at here is that we have a lot of depth. We have depth on the edges and we have depth on the interior. So we keep our pass rushers um, pretty,
0: pretty I'm I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna not story. I'm going to skip that one. Dylan, go ahead.
4: Yeah, um, I think if... It, five down for sure you want Merciless and Martin on the outside and then Watt, Blacklock in a and Minuhin. I think that should be like that's a really good pass rush like as the roster is right now I think that is the, the best five like the best five pass rushers we can put on the field it's a really good pass rush and in like regular passing downs I would like to see like Watt on the inside like Jordan said but hopefully we can convince him to do that but like it'd probably be like Watt Grenard, uh, and Blacklock, and Merciless, probably. That would probably be my four best right now. We'll see how Minnehu develops. See if mm-hmm. Minnehu can can take over for Merciless on the inside, or if and put Grenard where Merciless is on some downs. We'll see. But um, yeah, that's probably my best five and four.
2: Um, best five, Watt has to play inside. He absolutely has to play inside more this year. Um, I understand the argument for letting him still go 9-tech. Um, he's got one of the best success rates from the 9-tech ever, not just active, but ever. Like He is an absolute freak of nature. There's a reason why they let him go outside like that. He does wreak havoc. However, the way the defense, defensive line and the defensive roster is currently shaped up, Nobody else can go inside. So if he goes outside, that leads to issues. Um, so I would put Blacklock, Watt, and um, a inside. Um, Jacob Martin and Mark is going to be on the outside because Mark is the elder statesman, and for what they're paying him, they expect him to go out there and produce. Um, Jordan, I actually have a question for you that's kind of like a follow-up. Um, Edu4 and Martin, how would you compare the two? Not who's better, just how would you compare the t- Compare the two. Because Duke Edgefor, I mean, he looked really good when he could stay healthy. Like he, he looked like there was something potentially there. And you know, he can't stay healthy. But
3: yeah, so in terms of game, um Jacob Martin's on a completely different level in terms of athleticism. That's how he wins. Speed quickness to the outside. He loves the outside rush. The speed rush he has his go to move is the dip, rip and um dip, chop and rip, sorry. That's, he, he got a lot of sacks off of that last year, a lot of pressures as well. Um, whereas, uh, what's his name, Jesus? Ajayafor, he wins a lot based off his length, and his, he has a little bit more wide array of technique. He's really good at um, inside counter moves from the little bit that I've seen of him in actual NFL tape and from his weight Forest time as well. He's, he just has super long arms. And that ability to attack and punch the offensive line before they can get to him and kind of keep that distance, um, that's really where he wins. I'm excited to see what he's got. I was really high on him when we did draft him. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy because then we would be pretty deep on the edges for sure. Um, but, yeah, that's how i compare their games.
2: Because okay. I would have – I mean, I agree. four and Martin are two of your rota- rotational pieces. Um, and Grenard's also a rotational piece. If you're just going – Flat pass rush. I would believe you would want Martin out there. You would want Merck out there. And this is with your your four down. And then move JJ inside and move Hugh inside. With Blacklock eventually taking that position. That is almost like a rabbit front. Um, You have a big back that's going to run up the middle. They're going to eat him alive. But just be trying to get to the quarterback as quickly as you can. Go that direction. With edge of four if there is even a little bit of a chance of them trying to stretch it or doing a draw play replacing Martin.
3: Yeah. He should yeah, he should be good. He should be fun to watch. Okay, last question we'll talk about today comes from at Report Texans. He asks, if healthy does JJ receive another big contract with the Texans after his is up. Um I honestly think he will. I think they believe that they owe it to him with everything that he's done for them as a team and for them as a city. Unfortunately, I think he's gonna get another big one. It may not be like a four or five year contract, but it's gonna be at least two years for max money. He's gonna reset the market one more time, and and we'll see. I think if he, if he, when he's healthy, he's still a hell of a player. He's still one of the most productive and talented pass rushers in the league. Um, I honestly don't think he'll be healthy for even another year or two, but we'll see.
0: I think that, given what we've seen over the off season. With the move of DeAndre Hopkins, I think Bill has shown that he has the testicular fortitude to make the, the strong, bold moves that we have not seen from this Texans team in the past. So I'm going to say that I actually believe J.J. Watt will not be given an extension, and I actually believe that uh, he'll, he'll be either moved or he'll be a free agent.
4: I think one of the bigger question might be, does JJ even want the extension? Because he's been flirting with Pittsburgh quite a lot. Obviously, both of his brothers are up there, and I think I think it'd be natural if you have two other brothers in the NFL and they're on the same team. I think it'd be natural that he wants to go there. So I think it is a strong possibility that JJ is not given an extension. And he goes to Pittsburgh, whether that is a trade or. As a free agent, it's yet to be known. But kind of, kind of agreeing with James, they might end up trading him soon.
2: It's kind of a tough question because JJ is without a doubt our first, first ballot Hall of Famer. There's going to be a statue of him at, at at the stadium. Everybody, prepare yourself for it. It's going to happen. Um, he's going to be in the Ring of Honor. He's going to be our guy in the broadcast booth that we desperately need. And, and we really do. I mean, there's not a, a Houston perspective. There's not Cowboy- – there's Cowboys everywhere. There's Niners everywhere. There's even Giants and Eagles. And a lot of these teams, part of the reason why they get such positive news is they have former players that have good relationships with the franchise. That's going to be our guy. J.J. is going to be that guy. He's going to be the guy on TV that can kind of give the Texans perspective and give us that positive publicity when he's, when he's retired. However, today's NFL, you don't, you don't stay with the same team. And his inability to stay healthy has to be concerning, especially for the amount of money that you have to pay him. And I don't know if he would necessarily take a pay cut to stay in Houston. I think he would take a pay cut to go play with his brothers because it would be fun. I do think that there's a little bit to him of... I don't think he's going to try and chase every last dollar because he knows that his brand is worth more with more national recognition. Um, And with Houston, we have to win to get that national recognition, whereas he may be able to jump to another team, have a couple of years there, and just get even more. So that's kind of the thing with J.J. I think he knows for a fact that he will make most of his money outside of football. And I think that there may be business decisions that he makes because of that.
0: Awesome.
3: Yeah, so... That's all the questions i got. If you do have questions for me, I'll always be sending out a tweet a couple hours before the pod, and you can tweet at me, and and we'll look to answer them later on the pod.
0: Awesome. All right, guys, uh, that'll be it. Uh, Positive notes for uh, positive vibes only. The positive vibes are the protests and the actual change that needs to be happening. Uh, I, don't, I think we all agree that that's the positive. Uh, shout out to all of our Patreons. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. If you guys are not a Patreon, Giovanni, thank you for joining Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you are not a, currently a Patreon and would like to support us, whether it be a dollar, five dollars, $15, $25, or 50 however you would like to do, whatever you can give, feel free to go to patreon.com uh, backslash TexansUnfiltered. Uh, we are recording our Patreon material uh after today um so or after this episode. So be on the lookout for that Patreons. Thank you for your guys' continued support. Uh you can find us. i uh, it might
2: be a little bit short because the show went really long. <laughs> no, we can't cut
0: our we can't cut our Patreons out. It's gonna be long, John. We're all gonna have to deal with it. Uh all right. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Houston FB Pod. You can follow me on uh Twitter at IMYoungRe Gold, and you can also follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts and Dylan at Texans underscore draft on Twitter. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Make sure you guys follow the pod, subscribe, like, uh, and uh, go to our website where you'll be able to read all the amazing articles and content that Jordan and Dylan are putting out. And with that being said, Black Lives Matter, and we will catch you guys next week.
1: Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support
0: allows us to provide you
1: with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter
0: and Instagram at Houston FB Pod, And everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.TexansUnfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered.
1: Thank you for listening. Until next time.